Hi, everybody, and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen in on our Hillco Global Smarter Perspective podcasts. As return listeners know, I'm your host, Steve Katz, and if this is your first time joining us, welcome. We're glad you could tune in today. Uh, and today we're going to be joined by Rob Wilson, who's Senior Director at Hillco Performance Solutions, and we're going to be talking about the gamble of sorts that small to medium-sized companies take when they have no liquidity risk management plan in place, particularly during a time of economic uncertainty like the one we're going through right now. So, Rob, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for inviting me, Steve. Uh, looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, us, us as well. So, you know, universally speaking, Rob, having a plan in place is usually a good thing under any circumstances. But it seems to me that having a plan in place to manage liquidity risk is always a good thing for businesses and particularly well advised now as we wrap up what's been a really challenging year for many and enter the next year, which could, it seems, bring a lot more of the same. So would you say that's a pretty accurate perspective on the way that um, businesses should be looking at their liquidity risk moving ahead? Yeah, no, that's that's definitely accurate. You know, just just if you think about the last you know 15 years alone and kind of how many of the proverbial 100-year floods that we've seen, right? You know, we saw the Great Recession of 08-09, then Brexit happened, and then obviously the last few years have been COVID, the COVID pandemic, right? And so, you know, volatility is all around us. And I would say that the, the last year and two in particular, you've seen like the supply chain disruptions, the, the record inflation, the, the Fed is hiking at really a, a record pace. You know, it's it's all types of issues, you know, going on around us, right? And so, all of this really impacts, you know, liquidity for a company, right? It's ability to operate. And so, yes, it's it's very important to have a plan in place. And I think volatility is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Um, it's really about uh, making sure you stay ahead of it. So I think, unfortunately, many companies, you know, don't really think about liquidity until they actually need it. And, and again, I'm hoping the last two years is really a wake-up call for many companies, but you know, many companies really focus on just running the business, trying to grow, right? Which is hard enough, let alone trying to think about liquidity risk, what could happen X years down the road, right? And so um, I think the companies that are really proactive and think ahead and have a plan are the ones that really thrive in this environment. And I think the ones that are really more reactive are the ones that continue to struggle, or in some cases, unfortunately, could even go out of business, right? And so I kind of view it similar to, you know, people's personal situations, right? If you think about, you know, you never know when that car is going to break down, the basement's going to flood. Um, you never know when there's going to be an unforeseen medical expense, right? And so having a plan for the unforeseen event is very important. Yeah, you know, I think you hit on a good point there. I mean, this, the business of managing the business is a lot of work. And that's really where people's priorities need to uh, be focused. But at the same time, uh, you have to be able to safeguard against um, that type of risk. So what sorts of steps can companies take towards developing a liquidity risk strategy right now? And, and what's the best way to go about that? Yeah, no, I mean, I really think it just comes down at, at a high level, just, just thinking about the drivers that impact your business, right? And so, you know, for me, I come from the mortgage sector, right? And so interest rates are, are really one of those key components that we we, tr- we used to track a lot, right? And if you think about you know interest rates in the last year in particular and how high they've gotten, you know, it, it has a significant impact on future originations, profitability, et cetera. 
you know, the manufacturing side, the manufacturing companies, you know, they might care more about raw materials, right? Or their access to certain raw materials to be able to produce their final goods. You know, for instance, if oil goes up by 40%, like how does that impact your business, right? So really thinking about those critical drivers and how they impact your business. And I think from there, you think about, all right, well, how do I quantify that, right? And so we kind of help out with thinking about stress scenarios, right? So if one of these events happens, how does it impact like my company's cash flow, profitability? You know, what can I do to mitigate that, right? So what are some of the things I can do now to mitigate that outside of having a plan? Um, maybe there's you know hedging you could do in the case of like you know raw materials go up, you know, such as oil and chemicals, right? And so, or you might be able to diversify some of your products, right? So if you have highly concentrated products, you know, maybe you can diversify to, to different products, different industries. They're maybe not as correlated to the to the same risk, right? And so that's also something that you know folks should be thinking about. And then I think one of the more important ones too is just really developing you know KPIs and dashboards around these drivers, right? And how do I you know think about um, you know reviewing them and communicating them across the company, right? I think that's that's one of the most important things is like you can have a lot of good information and data analysis, but if you don't communicate it across the company to the people that really matter, none of it really matters, right? In terms of like this. And so you have to make sure you have good communication, good reporting. And I think finally, just like making sure you have the appropriate systems and controls in place to really track these risks and impacts right across the enterprise, right? So, because again, without, you know, proper framework and proper reporting and communication, um, none of the analysis really matters. Yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of businesses either don't have that level of discipline or or just historically haven't um, been great communicators or been great keepers of um, of their own uh, policy guidelines. So uh, that's I think that's a, a really good uh, insight. Thanks for sharing those. Yeah. The other the other thing is. Um, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's much more to to what you're talking about. So so where from that point, once you start looking at things that way and you begin to structure and organize um, your thinking, where 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 should companies go from there? Yeah, so maybe I'll just maybe I'll just talk about some of the things that we do with our clients, you know, um, here at Hillco Performance Solutions. You know, so we work with our clients, we really think about some of the the blind spots and drivers of risk in the organizations, right? And so it's not only identifying them, but also thinking about the likelihood of that event and also the severity of the event, right? Those are also very important in terms of thinking about a, a risk framework. And then I think what we really do is to start out, we look at a company's you know, funding plan to really get a better idea of you know, factors such as how much committed capacity a company has. We look at the strength and diversity of the bank relationships, you know, maturity profile, how much debt is going to be due this year versus ne- next and then one of the bigger ones is financial covenants, right? And I think that's one that's very important to highlight. So, I mean, for those of you who don't really under, don't know about financial covenants, it's really a lender's way of putting guardrails on, on the loan that they they gave you to protect their downside risk, right? And these are things such as, you know, leverage, so like debt to equity, debt to EBITDA, um, minimum liquidity, minimum capital type standards, right? And so, um, just making sure that you've negotiated the, the proper levels of financial covenants with your lenders is something that we would work with our clients on. And it's super important because, again, 
if one of those stress elements happens where oil goes up 40%, um, if you don't have enough cushion within your business model to be able to adhere to those financial covenants, you could be in a situation where one of these stress events puts you over the top and you violate the financial covenants. And why that's important is because in, in some cases, if you violate the financial covenants, the lender will end up pulling their lending to you, right? And so that's obviously not a good situation. And in many cases, leads to um, some type of restructuring or bankruptcy type activity, which is always a bad thing. So I think also, you know, you'd be surprised how many companies out there, especially the small and mid-sized ones that we typically work with, um, don't truly know how much cash they need to run their business, right? So they may have rule of thumbs and might say, hey, over the last five years, we've always used $10 million as our minimum cash balance. But, you know, we really work with the company to understand what is the, the quantitative approach to that number, right? And so based upon quantitative drivers, not just rules of thumb. And we also make sure that those are updated on a frequent basis, not something that's static for years, right? And, and, and obviously we'll adjust you know, those numbers based upon the business and the market as well. And so I think that's super important. And then within that, you know, how much cash do I need versus contingent liquidity? When I see by contingent liquidity, this is stuff like credit facilities, revolvers, maybe even having access, you know, to some of the capital markets and stuff of that nature. Um, you know, holding too much cash actually can be a bad thing, right? And so I think getting the right level of cash is very important. Too much cash you're in situations where maybe you're taking away from the growth of the business or you're not returning capital back to investors. And so coming up with the right level of cash is something that we help our clients with as well. Um, really also understanding you know, the, the different capital markets they have access to, whether it's the bond markets, the securitization markets, you know, commercial paper type markets, and really understanding those and, and thinking about you know, that market had, had the spreads widen, you know, in the secured market, have delinquencies um, increase, have there been more charge-offs. And so it's really understanding not only your hard liquidity in terms of the cash, credit facilities, et cetera, but also do you have access to some of those capital market solutions that you might need during a, a stress type of event? So I think that's very important as well. And then finally, one of the things we, we work with our clients on too is thinking about counterparty risk, right? And so you know, thinking about the financial strength of their key suppliers, customers, their lenders, you know, you never want to be in a situation where when your key suppliers all of a sudden is unable to ship critical raw materials or resources, which, you know, you've obviously seen a lot of in the last year or two, or a situation where maybe a lender decides to pull away from that sector for, for various reasons, right? And so, you know, coming up with a way to provide surveillance on the financial health, the reputational health of each of these companies is, is very important. So, you know, tracking things such as like credit ratings, you know, CDS spreads, which is kind of a, a good real-time indicator of, of the health of the company, stock price, and also to stay in tune in terms of reputational concerns going on with the with, with your key counterparties. So, so Steve, those are these are some of the things. Again, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of others, but these are some of the core things that we work, you know, our clients on when we start thinking about uh, liquidity risk framework. Yeah. So, you know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking to myself, well, some companies might say to themselves, hey, I, you know, I wish I had that problem uh, with too much cash. <laughs> my disposal." But yeah, you know, you have to think about you have to think about things from the holistic perspective. And, and uh, obviously that can create problems in and of itself. Um, so this, you know, the way you're explaining it, 
it's it's clear that this is a very thorough and systematic process that needs to be undertaken. And obviously that's what uh, you and the, and the team at um, Hillco Performance Solutions specialize in. Once the policy framework that you talked about is outlined, what's the next step that you usually undertake with companies? Yeah, it's really putting it to use, right? And, and I think you know, that will that will vary from company to company to, to sector to sector, but you know, running the stress scenarios on a, on a frequent basis, many many times it's quarterly. Developing the reporting, right, to to alert you know your key stakeholders of any early warning signs of risk. You know, for example, if you're coming close to violating a financial covenant, which we talked about a little bit earlier, or if you have any concerns, you know, the key counterparties, right, and so really, you know, developing that reporting cadence. You know, when when are you reviewing? The reporting, the stress scenarios with your senior leadership is also super critical. I see a lot of companies that they might go through this exercise and they just put it on the shelf and they might not update it frequently, or if they do update it, they're not getting it to the critical people. So coming up with the infrastructure of the review cadence, who's it going to, you know, how often is it going to be reviewed type of thing is, is super important. You know, a lot of the companies that um, I've worked with in the past you know, typically you would develop some type of monthly or quarterly um, liquidity risk review deck uh, with your key executives like the CFO, treasurer, controller types, and even bringing in some of the key leaders across the business units as well, right, to make sure that there's awareness there. And so, again, it's it's really all about that awareness and, and communication, making sure that all parts of the company really know what's going on. You know, as an example, in my prior company I worked at um, during the early part of COVID, we were actually meeting daily. To discuss liquidity, and again, it's the, at the very highest of levels, all the way up to the CEO, right? And so, it's really when I say putting this framework into use, it's gonna it's gonna vary based upon the company, but also the market in general, right? Early part of COVID, obviously a lot of uncertainty, so you have very frequent meetings, a lot of awareness spread throughout the organization. If it's more normal course, maybe it's more of a monthly or quarterly review that you have with your key senior leadership. But the point is that you have that in place, you're reviewing, you're communicating. And then finally, you're also updating that policy, right? So as you learn more about the risk of the company and how you can address it, making sure that you do update your liquidity risk policy, at least on an annual basis. And then finally, I want to underscore really the importance of having a granular cash forecast, right? And I think this is really foundational for really any good liquidity risk plan, right? And so you know, we're not talking about using a simple percentage of sales or, or run rates. It's really getting very granular and understanding, you know, what those true, true true drivers are of cash and making sure that you have uh, the most accurate cash forecast you can. Because, because guess what? If you don't have a really good base cash forecast, how well do you think your stress scenarios and your sensitivity analysis are going to be, right? And so having a very good foundational cash forecast is, is super important as you develop a really good uh, liquidity risk framework. And the forecasting piece of it makes me think about the lenders because I think we can all agree lenders don't like surprises, right? So what thoughts do you have on work, you know, these companies and how they can best work with their lenders, things that lenders should be thinking about when working with these companies um, and looking at these liquidity risks? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And you know, I, I've been fortunate to to work with 
many great lenders, you know, all across the globe and, and billions of dollars worth of you know, liquidity and funding. And so I, I think the consistent theme is that, you know, lenders want to be kept informed, right? They want to know what's going on. And so I think, you know, really making it a habit to give them frequent updates on your business and not just when it's required on the annual due diligence basis is super important, right? And so, you know, if you anticipate a material impact in the business, let them know. You know, better yet, ask them if they can help out with providing additional liquidity or support, expertise. Many times they have good thought leadership in terms of how to solve certain problems. And then, and then most importantly, you know, show them what is your plan to kind of stabilize the business? How to get the business back on track? How are you going to shore up liquidity, right? I think all that's super important. It sounds basic, but many companies don't do that. They typically, what I've seen in my experience is they typically don't say anything until it's too late or until the events actually occurred. And I think by being proactive and giving them the business updates and kind of bringing it under the tent per se, I think it really helps to develop trust and rapport with your key partners. And it's just something that, you know, just don't, just don't call them when you need something, call them to kind of give updates about the business, what's going on, both good and bad. Um, I think also, you know, really identifying a few core banking partners is also super important, right? And if you can also do multiple pieces of business with them across the board, um, that's even better, right? So if you think about, you know, providing deposits, lending, corporate card, lockbox services, you know, even like capital market transactions, right? So as many of these services that you can use from your banking and lending partners, it's going to lead to a more sticky relationship, right? Um, so what, what happens is, you know, when there is a liquidity event and, and times are tough, you want to make it very, very difficult for your key lending partners to, to pull away, right? And so I think having those multiple business lines with them, the deposits, the lending, et cetera, um, will, will lead to a, a, a more solid and sticky type relationship with them. And, and in some cases, you know, it could even buy you an extra few months in, in very severe stress scenarios, which, which can make all the difference. And then finally, you know, on the lending side, I would say diversification is your friend, right? So if you think about, you know, the different lending partners, you know, banks in particular, there's large, there's regional, there's community banks, making sure that you have good diversity throughout there in terms of the, the size of, of these partners. And also geographical dispersion, right? You know, US based versus Canada, Europe, Asia. Um, based upon where your lender's at, there could be different rules and different capital requirements, right? And so it's a good way to diversify some of that risk is by making sure that geographically your, your lending base is dispersed where it makes sense. And then finally, if you think about banks versus non banks, right? You know, in some markets, such as like mortgage, for example, um, non-banks are actually the majority of the lenders, right? And so I think just really making sure you diversify in terms of banks versus non-banks, as you guys know, you know, banks typically be are typically more regulated, have a different risk tolerance and capital requirements than non-banks. And so just having really good diversity throughout that is is, is super important as well. Well, I'll tell you, there there certainly is quite a bit to digest from what you covered today, Rob. And some of it I have to say seems uh, relatively intuitive, but the majority is clearly nuanced. And given what's happening right now with economic uncertainty and geopolitical upheaval uh, and overall market volatility, I think that it would be pretty tough to argue against taking steps to limit the potential for liquidity risk in the coming year uh, from the perspective of 
any company. So thanks uh, so much for joining us and sharing those insights. And if listeners want to get in touch with you uh, with any questions they have about specific things that might be happening in their business right now, or lenders want to reach out, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely, Steve. And, and thanks for having me on today. You know, we, we covered a lot of ground today, but I, I do think it's a very important topic, especially now more than ever, given all the volatility going on around us. And um, so, yes, please reach out if you have any questions or like to continue the conversation. Um, I can be reached either by phone or email. So my email address is rwilson, R-W-I-L-S-O-N, at hillcoglobal.com. And telephone number is 847-849-2962. And Steve, thanks again for inviting me. Had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great insights. Really, uh, really well and uh, concisely expressed. I appreciate it. Uh, And listeners, as always, we hope that this Smarter Perspective podcast provided you with at least one key takeaway that you can put to good use in your business or share with a colleague or client to help make them that much more successful moving forward. And one last thing, please remember that you can check out more great podcasts and articles featuring timely insights from Hilco experts like Rob at hilcoglobal.com forward slash smarter dash perspectives. Until next time for Hilco Global, I'm Steve Katz.